Welcome to the Pro Church Marketing Podcast. Are you a church leader or nonprofit director that wants to reach more people online? If so, you're going to want to listen to what John O'Long has to say about the latest trends in online marketing for churches and faith based nonprofits. Here's your host, John O'Long. With me today, I've got a special guest, Mr. Shane Hodge from The Camel Company, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself. I've got to know this guy a little bit over the past couple of years, and one of the most energetic guys and fun to listen to guys I know, and that'll make a little bit more sense here in a second, but Shane, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your history, and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Hey, John, good to see you. Always good to see you, my friend. I've always loved that beard. Every time I see that beard, I sit back and I go, I wish I had that on my head. Oh, I appreciate that. I was getting it cut. I was getting it trimmed the other day. And the guy in the chair next to me was like, oh, man, I've got serious beard envy over here. But he had a really nice head of hair. And I'm like, well, bro, I've got head of hair envy. So you can't have it all. You can't have it all. But I don't know if I could grow the beard. But I don't think my wife would sort of let me do it now. It- <laughs> so I don't have the patience. I think it gets to the week and I'm starting to scratch and I think, no. I want to thank you for the invitation to have a chat today. We've got some exciting stuff and lots of stories and good questions. Probably, the, as you said, let me explain. I'm the CEO and co-founder. My wife's the other founder of the Camel.co. And we started in officially 2013, but we were in this business probably two years before that. And what happened was, that I was selling mobile websites in Australia and sold a lot of them. I think we sold close to 3,000 in wow. about 18 months. And we did it all wow. door to door. Right? And right. we needed a team, a fulfillment team, to help us out. And I'd spent 25 years of my life in Asia and in the USA in business development. I was preaching as well. And I come over to the Philippines because I knew the Philippines well, and we had a team or two in mind over here. My wife, who was not my wife back then, she was running one of the, the crews, and I was here for about two weeks, and I went back to Australia. And I couldn't stop thinking about this girl. So I ended up getting back on a plane and coming back over, and the rest is history. We started the camel. There was only the two of us. I'd sell websites, and my wife would build them, and what happened was we knew that the business was changing, that mobile websites w- were great, but what was going to happen was one URL, three different views, desktop, tablet, and mobile. So this was back in the day when everyone was having to build a separate mobile version for their website. Yeah. They had a WordPress website or that Drupal or whatever, and we were working with a company called GoMobi. And we were tacking it on to the uh, WordPress site. And it worked, you know. But you just knew the game was changing, that mobile was growing so fast. But you you needed that one URL. You needed that uh, adaptive website. And we looked and we found a company called Duda. And uh, so we joined up with them. But what happened was... And slowly but surely, we stopped selling our own websites and we started making websites for other people. So our team grew from three and then it got to 10 
And then we started doing development work. So I went to 25. And then as time went on, we started to do digital marketing. And it went to 30. And now we've got 85 in the Philippines. And we've got a strategic partner in India. So it brings us close to 200 people now. And we're a solutions partner with Duda. So we look after people like Jono and everyone else, 300 plus websites a month. We do a lot of migrations now. Last year, we migrated close to 150,000 web pages. And we're also a Google partner. And so are you guys, with those migrations, are a lot of those coming from WordPress? Because I yes. find uh, every migration we do, in fact, I just got off the phone with a church. Um, and I hear this scenario from churches all the time. You probably do too. Uh, that they, He said, Look, we had a lady that was on staff. She built us a WordPress website. She left. Now here I am left to change stuff on it. And even though it's they're being elemental or whatever, which is the easiest of the builders inside of WordPress, but it's still not user-friendly for the average user unless you work in WordPress all day. So we've got clients coming to us saying, hey, look, we want a new website. We like the way our website looks, but we want to move it to something that we could change some stuff on if we want to. And that's what's great about the platform that we use here at FaithWorks and that Shane uses at the Camel is that you are going to get a fast website, a responsive website that looks good on every size screen. Yeah. And you're going to have access and we can lock it down to where you can't break anything, but you can go in and change things on your own without having to pay us $75 an hour, whatever it is to go do these changes. So it's beautiful. The good thing is that if they want something a little special and you, you can build a widget that's part of your platform, it's not a plug-in, it doesn't rely on being hosted somewhere else, so it's more secure, it's safe. I mean, no church wants their website to be hacked into to, to drop off the planet, right, because of some little bit of script that someone can get into. And that's the other reason I love the platform we deal with. Everything you want to develop you can develop within the platform. So one of your clients could turn around and say, well, we need this feature. And you can make it as a widget and just drop it in there. And it's safe and secure because it's got a 99.9999, forget how many nines, percent uptime. That was one of the things. But you're right, you nailed it, that it's so easy for people to use. They don't have to be a programmer. They don't have to be you know, a designer. It's easy to drag and drop and move jobs. Yeah. But the other great thing about our platform is that it's not a lot of the do-it-yourself builders, like some of the Wix or the Weeblies, the Squarespace yeah. even. They're easy to use, definitely intuitive. But the problem is if you ever want to get serious about search engine optimization, oh. then you're going to have to go to another platform that's more open, that's going to give you access to do everything that you need to do. And that's what's beautiful about our platform. It's got the ease and the, the intuitiveness for the average person, but it's also got under the hood, everything we need to make this thing fast, to make Google happy, to do all the nerd things like schema markup and all those things that make it show up at the top, which is what at the end of the day, what good is having a website if it's never going to show up. So it's really a beautiful thing there. In the conversation we were having before we got online, that a church there's this thing about you can't say it's a business or it's about marketing. There's always this funny feeling. But the fact is that it is 
when it comes to the digital world, it is a business and it needs marketing practices and it needs SEO and you need social media. All those needs are there. So if you've got a platform that is happy in that world, it's going to make it easier for them, which it's easier for them to do things. It helps them with their rankings and their congregation and all sorts of things. It's just so much easier. Yeah. And you, you named a couple of things like Wix and so forth. It, it is difficult. It's not an easy thing. Right. And that's, uh, again, a part of the conversation I just had with someone else just a little bit ago is another conversation that we have a lot. They're a large church, a growing church, and they've been around a while and they're so frustrated and it's not a pride thing, but they're like, as long as we've been around and as much as we're growing, how are we number seven on the Google local maps? <laughs> I said, because that has nothing to do with showing up on Google maps, but Google maps doesn't care how big your building is or how many people are attending on Sunday morning. You've got to play Google's games. Usually at my house, if you search church near me, which is Searched on average 27,000 times in my state alone, wow. just church near me. In the state of Florida, I was looking at it as like 65,000 times a month, Google tells us. Take that with a grain of salt. But anyway, if you search church near me at my house, there is an amazing church, a guy that I went to seminary with, right down the road, probably two miles, and they're like number 11 or 12. And wow. The church, the three churches that show up in the map pack, that map pack where you want to be, just like if you're looking for best Chinese food near me or best electrician near me, people are searching best church near me. And the top three in my area, two of them, I've lived here in my entire life, and I could not tell you where these two churches are. I've never heard of them. I think they were maybe house churches, and they don't exist anymore. And then the other one is the old Methodist church that's been here since the Protestant Reformation. And so they're just kind of showing up. But I tell these guys like, look, because your website plays into that, Google factors in the quality of this website over here. How user-friendly is it? How does it look on a phone? How fast is it? How close are the buttons together? Can everybody get there and get what they need? Can everyone get on this website and get what they need to know quickly and easily? Because otherwise, they're going to bounce to a different website. Yeah, it's crazy. You nailed it. That's amazing. It's a huge church and you didn't know it was there. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is, again, this is one of those awkward conversations I have with them, but it's like, look, guys, I know we're not all out to just crush the competition in church world, but if you believe that you've got the message that everyone needs to hear, there are things you can do to show up at the top of Google. And if you want to be there, you're going to have to treat this this from a marketing standpoint, and you're just going to have to do it if that's important to you. And it's becoming, I think, since COVID, I think it's become more and more important in guys' minds. Like, yeah, we need to show up. You think about it, John. If Jesus was around now, do you reckon he wouldn't use social media? Pretty sure he would be posting. I bet <laughs> Jesus would have an amazing TikTok account. I thought about that this morning, and my wife and I were talking about it. I said, can you imagine if Jesus had, like, a YouTube channel, TikTok? Do you reckon he would have said, hey, welcome, right? I mean, he would have done it. <laughs> and so I think, what was the word you used? Awkward conversation. Yes. You know, yeah. that. And when you mentioned COVID, it became an even awkward. Is that a word? It became more awkward because 
whether you like it or not, all of a sudden you were faced with, well, you better get with the program. Right? I like that word awkward conversation because I know in my years, even worship services, you'd go to the elders and you'd say, oh, we, we need to do this because we've got two people and a dog in our church on Sunday mornings. And they go, oh, but we, we can't have that. And we can't. And you'd have that awkward conversation. Now, the awkward conversation involves things like what you're talking about, like Google, like when you say call to action, click right. to call. All of that's important. And whether you like it or not, it is an awkward conversation, but it's a necessary one. Absolutely. Moving along here just a little bit, just a quick outline here to let everybody know kind of what, what you're in for. We'll continue talking. And of course, this is a conversation between two friends here, but we are going to hit on a few things. We talked a little bit more about how the websites for churches have changed with code. We're going to hit on how church websites can't just be some pretty pictures, some nice words, just some scripture and say, hey, come visit our church. We got to go deeper than that. We've got to make it a part of our outreach strategy. It's the window of your church and the church websites now is also in reach and that's reaching out to the brothers and sisters that are already members. And so let's talk about COVID for a second. What changes have you seen as far as COVID goes? Wow. I mean, for all of us, it was a crazy time and it still is. But if we go back, I know our own story. We had our company yearly event on March the 15th two years ago, whatever it was. And I made the announcement, okay, kids, we're all going to be home-based now. This is on a Saturday. And then Sunday, we had trucks and vans and things, moving computers, setting up cabling, 85 people's houses. Right? And on the Monday morning, we're in a home-based online business that we've got to do business with the world and we're not all going to be together anymore and it was the same for restaurants all of a sudden bang the doors were closed and it was instant it wasn't something you, like if you're going to go out of business it's over a period of time right in the case of COVID everything happened so fast and all of a sudden a restaurant that relied so much on its website was all about pretty pictures. It was themed around ambience. It was, you know, really just selling the fact of getting you inside, booking a table and sitting down and eating. That's the way the website was geared. And then you had things like gymnasiums. And it was all about state-of-the-art of equipment and pictures of people with big muscles sticking out of their body as they stood beside some bench press, right? It was all about getting people into the building. And church websites were exactly the same. But there was pretty pictures on the front and it was all aimed at one thing, to get you to go to the building. Right? And overnight, that wasn't going to cut it anymore. If you're a restaurant, the most important thing on your website was your menu and how you presented the menu, that if you didn't get people that when they were looking at your website and reading through your menu, 
if they weren't getting a little bit of saliva going and a bit of a dribble in the mouth about what they were seeing, they weren't going to order Uber Eats. Right. They were going to go somewhere else that satisfied their eyes and their tummy for what they were seeing. The menu became the most important thing. The gymnasium, what became important was their ability to train you online, their ability to use things in your house to continue to train, to be able to run up and down stairs and to be able to use like five litre water bottles, fill them with water and that's a weight. That's what we can. The church, what happened there was, it was no longer about what you can do inside that building, it's what you can do outside that building, how you can outreach to them online. So YouTube became important. Social media, which was like a secondary thought, became a primary thought. The ability to get people excited because, as you said before, all of a sudden they could visit eight churches in 15 minutes. Because before they'd have to go in a building, they'd have to make excuses, I'm sorry we weren't here last week because we're checking out another church. They didn't have to do that anymore. They could click on... Uh, a church website, go to a YouTube link, they could listen to a sermon, they could say, oh, well, that suits us more. All of a sudden, the whole game changed. That's not what it was. And I thought about it today. And if you look at it, Jesus gave us that great commandment. He turned around and said, go out and preach the good news. Baptize people in my name, but go out. What has happened over such a long period of time, it's come in to this mm-hmm. building. People and churches got so fixated on the building. So they have all these unbelievable, look at our service area, look at our sound system, look at our massive video screens. None of that mattered anymore. What mattered was that word, go out. And that was the key to what you were going to do with COVID. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because really, I mean, like at our church and, and a lot of my friends' churches, before COVID, we were kind of piddling you know, around with the idea of streaming, <clears throat> not taking it too seriously, hadn't invested in any, any equipment. But then all of a sudden now it's like, we got to get this ramped up really quick. And I remember in the early days, I, of course, I played drums in the band at church. And so we were going on Tuesday night recording the service because we didn't have streaming capabilities. So we were recording the service, recording the band, mixing it, the pastors preaching, and then we were just kind of playing a video until we could get there. But then as time goes on, I mean, as time goes on, I remember having a conversation with our pastor and him saying, we don't even really know who still attends our church. We don't know who's even still part of our church because so many people that we reached out to, they're like, well, we're watching online and you don't want to pressure anyone to come back if they're not comfortable. So Man, it has been a weird two years. I got to show you this picture. So March 8th, and let's see if if this shows up on the screen. Can you see this? Is this showing up? So this is March 8th, two years ago. This is right when COVID was like starting to be talked about. And so I was doing the announcements at worship on Sunday morning, and I thought it'd be a hilarious idea to wear a hazmat suit out with, with Lysol wipes in my pocket. And thinking, hey, this is no big deal. Everybody's overreacting. And that picture did not age well. Looking back, probably should not have made that joke. 
But so every year, somebody reminds me that I took that picture. So what's interesting in my story, January, 2020, I told the church, I'm going to, I'm going to be stepping down. I'd already gone part-time. I was phasing out. I was getting old. I was about to turn 40 and I was just, just too tired to be a youth pastor in, in a lot of ways. And this business was growing. And, and so it was just a good time to transition. And we still attend that church and everything's great. So it wasn't one of those bad breakups or anything. But I told the church, hey, in March, I'm going to be stepping down. March 30th will be my last day. I told them this in January. We decided, well, Wednesday, March 11th, that I'll tell the students, I'll tell the youth group, hey, that I'm going to be stepping down. And so that Wednesday night, I told them that I would be stepping down, but we'd have two more weeks together because my last day wouldn't be until March 30th, 2020. And that was the night that in the United States that the NCAA March Madness basketball was all canceled, which millions and millions of dollars on the line. And so when they canceled that, I knew like, oh, something bad's about to happen. And so my birthday, March 13th, 2020, uh, that was the night that our governor shut down. That was the last time we went to a restaurant for about five or six months. And, and I spent my last couple months as a youth pastor on Instagram. And so the guy who took over for me group was on Instagram for quite a while and church was just online. And I got to tell you, as somebody who has attended church since childhood, just religiously, for lack of a better term. I got used to sitting in my pajamas, eating pancakes, watching church really, really quick. And just like people have started realizing, well, my job didn't need me at the office as much as they said they did. There's no reason I can't work from home because we made that happen real quick. I think in our minds too, pretty quick, we went to, well, I can be a part of the church and just stay at home. Now, there's an argument to be had for uh, fellowship and interaction and relationship that we're not going to get online. But if for somebody who's just checking things out, that's going to be the first place that they look. And I guarantee you. In fact, I, I'd almost prove it. I'm running a campaign for our church and we're doing this for several other churches. It's a plan your visit campaign. And we run a Facebook ad with a lead form and you give your name, email address, and phone number. And then we hook that into our automated platform. We call it reach up. And we've set up a series of automations. Well, about 30 seconds later, they get a text saying, hey, this is Pastor Kim. Uh, we just saw that you signed up to come see us this Sunday. Can't wait to meet you. And then we send them a voicemail. And then they get an email a day later. And then they get a couple more text messages. But I'm watching those. We just cranked it up a couple of weeks ago. We've had several people commit to attend. But several of them have said, well, we're going to watch it online this week. And then next week we'll be in person. And so I'm pretty certain that people are checking things out. People are checking out churches' services via the website, going and checking out the website before they ever will admit to attend. Because now they can see it's scary to walk into a church that you've never been to before. So now you've got that. I can check things out. So Jay was asking the question, how do we handle the churches who are believing the, if we build it, they will come? And I've had a couple clients who, who have said, we don't need marketing or websites because God will send us new church members and help us grow. Jay, I think we're in a Facebook group together. And what would you say to that? Well, Jay? I mean, it goes back to what I said before. Jesus never said, well, sit back and wait and I'll turn up, right? He went from town to town, house to house, and the announcements were coming before he got there. Right? There was no waiting, right? and if anything, there was marketing in that. Right? He was promoting. 
other people were promoting. Right? He had a great message that people wanted to hear and people heard about it. Right? It's the same with the church. The, the fact of saying, well, we're just going to sit back and they're all going to turn up. Ain't going to happen because it's never happened. It's something where you've got to make some noise. And in this day and age, how do you make that noise? You do it on social media. You do it with the things that you mentioned before. That some people, they might come to a church or they might look online now and they need to know that you love them. And how do you do that? You send a text message. But if you can automate that, if you've got lots and lots of people visiting, it's something you have to do now. Right? That whether you like it or not, it's not just a matter of, well, they're just going to look at our website and they're going to say, well, that place looks really nice and look what it's happening, let's go and visit it. But it doesn't mean they'll stay. It doesn't mean they'll go because, as you said, they're looking at eight other places on what suits them. So you've got to use all the tools that are available to make sure that they find themselves your home which is where you are. I've dealt with pastors saying that. I would say to the pastor that or the church leader that says, look, we don't need a website. God will send us new church members and help us grow. That just kind of goes against the great commission with Jesus said, like, you're going to have to go out. Paul said, you've got to do the work of an evangelist. Even if you're not an evangelist, you've got to do the work of an evangelist. So I want our website to be part of doing the work of the evangelist because it can, which sounds really strange, but our, our websites can be an evangelistic tool. You know, to me, this is probably too strong of a word, but that just sounds like somebody being lazy. God's just going to send it to us, send people to us. That may have worked in the 60s and the 70s in the United States, but maybe even the 80s, but that's not the case anymore, especially where I am. I'm in the South, AJ, you're in Louisiana, down here in the Bible Belt. And, and so if there's anywhere that that would work, it would be here. And it doesn't work here anymore. That's just not, people aren't just, now people are looking for a church. There are a lot of people who are looking for a church. Now, I would say a good many of them are probably just mad at their other church because we've got this consumeristic thing going on where if when people are mad about something, well, there's one a mile down the road. I'll just go there, you know? And, and so that's not super healthy, but I do think there are a good many people who are looking for churches and maybe they grew up in church. I know I saw a message come in from someone from one of the plan your visit campaigns, just sharing that it, it was really, it was a message of someone who sounded just looking for hope saying, look, I've got these two teenage sons. I'm, I'm not really sure what, how to even have faith. I don't know what that means, but I want it. And she's going to join, she's going to be a part of our church Sunday, hopefully. So I think people are seeking out truth. And so when you've got people like that, who we know there are people looking and for you to just sit there as a pastor and say, well, God will just send them. No. Well, no, he's going to send them to somebody. He's sending them somewhere maybe, but it ain't going to be your place. It's going to be no. somebody who's going to take care of them yeah. and cares about them. And do you think, that the person that's sitting there looking for hope, as you said, don't you think that they're going to sit back because they're conditioned to do it? They're not going to type in that little bar, looking for hope. They're right. going to type that in. And they're right. going to be looking for a place that's going to give them hope. So your website now, which is the, we call it shop front, right? But your website, it's got to convey that message 
and demonstrate if you look at the hope, you come to the right place. Because someone is going to be guided there, but there's going to be eight other choices on where they're looking for hope. I thought about it and what do they say it takes 21 days to change a habit? Yeah. Two and a half years, John. So if people think that, oh, it's okay, we're going to go back to the way our website used to be, or there's no need to change, sorry, that's not going to cut it. Because that person who is looking for hope or looking for a different style of hope is going to do what you did on a Saturday morning, and that's sit back and visit eight churches. Right? So your website has to be set up for that now, and there's no going back. Right. Because that's how people, when they're looking for hope, looking for a congregation, they might have moved town because so many people have moved now, right? Because mm -hmm. there's no jobs where they are and they've got to go to another town or, you know, their kids have got to go to another school. A lot has changed. So thinking that it'll be cool, God will send them, no, because so much has changed. And it's not going to go back to the way it was. Because right. People have been conditioned this last exactly. two and a half years. Yeah, 100%. And as churches have opened back up, it's funny, you see, <clears throat> like, I know church members who have said, well, we're just not ready to come back yet. But I saw pictures of you and your family at Disney last yeah. week. It's still even easy to use COVID to justify in your head to sit at home. I talked to pastors. I remember one pastor saying, man, you got so many people just standing out in the hall. They don't come in until like halfway through the worship service. I was like, well, the worship service is on like 15 TV monitors in the hallway. And yeah. there's coffee out here. Why would they go in when they're drinking a cup of coffee, can kind of hear things? It's like we've conditioned them. And now we didn't condition everybody to stay home on purpose. We had to meet them where they were. But at some point, we've we've now got to retool things and, and use the online service for, for outreach. But yeah. I do think eventually we do want them to be a part of the fellowship and build actual relationship. I don't think we want to end up with a metaverse church. Um, mm -hmm. However... On the other hand, I think about people like my dad. My parents divorced when I was two, and I went to my dad's house every other weekend. He had major social anxiety. So every Sunday morning, we would get up, we would go to Burger King, and we would get our breakfast, and we would come back, and we would sit at the table. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. There's a church called Roswell Street Baptist Church. Dr. Nelson Price was the pastor. And every Sunday morning, we watched. My dad did online church in the 80s. And before anybody else did it, he wanted to be a part of a church, but the idea of him going into a crowd of people, he just could not emotionally handle that. That's not everybody, but there are, I think, a lot of people who, man, it's going to be a long time before that they could come into a church full of people for whatever reason. And mm -hmm. so the cool thing is that a lot of churches are now meeting people where they're at with whatever issues they've got going on. But like you said here, the church website can no longer be some pretty pictures and just some kind words. Some things need to change. And so that kind of leads us into the next idea here. It's a mainstay of outreach. Your website's the window of your church, the work you do, how you can help, the message that you bring. And it really must be a true call to action for those that are looking for help 
or a new place of worship. And I think that's good stuff. I see a lot of bad websites when I look at churches' websites, and I look at three or four church websites every day. I don't know about you, Shane. I don't want to be critical of everybody's websites, but most of the guys I talk to when we get on a discovery call, they'll say, hey, man, our our church website's terrible. (laughs) At least they're honest. They definitely need some help. No doubt about that. I think you got to look at it. It's like when you're doing a business website. We always say, don't design the website for you. Right? Design it for who you want to book and buy. So in the case of it now, if you were sitting with a church group and you were having a discussion about a new website, I'd be saying the way we've got to look at it now is our potential person looking for hope for a new congregation what is sitting at home on the sofa. How does our website appeal to them? What do they want to see? Because they're not going to make that decision like they did before. Well, that is the closest church. I'll go to that one. They're going to watch several churches online over a period of weeks and make the decision if they do, they might still stay at home. Which one am I now going to be my new home? Which yeah. one? The website has to convey all that stuff. So when we're talking about a business one, we say it's got to have that call to action to make people book or buy, right? So in a case of a church website, it's got to have that call to action that it gives them hope and it satisfies, encourages, educates and fulfills their needs rather than just a bunch of pretty pictures and, well, this is last week's sermon and we'd really love it if you visit us. If you'd like to donate, it'd be great. You said something one time, it's probably been a couple of years ago. It was in a Facebook post and it stuck with me and I use it in every website call I have now. You said that, look, we're not trying to build an art gallery about how amazing your organization is. This is not a shrine to your business. And I use this a lot with our other agency that deals with, it's not churches. And again, I've kind of pulled away from that, but these guys come to us like roofers. They want pictures of all of their trucks and all of their staff. And I'm like just trying to build an art gallery about yourself. Look, no one cares about that. They want to see that, does this company do what I need them to do? Are they legit? Do they do it for people like me and where I am? And have they done it for other people like me? So we need some testimonials on there. And I think with churches too, churches, one of the the main thing that's going to keep someone away is not feeling welcome. The main reason people leave churches is not usually not theological debates is because no one talked to them. And and when I was a youth pastor, that was the thing I drilled home. I was like, look, if you guys are snobs, no one's coming here. You put up the mega church with smoke and lights and everything and a million dollar budget and bounce houses in the parking lot. You put that one right next to a small church, doesn't have all the panache and you fill up the small church with nice people and the mega church with snobs, and I'm not saying mega churches are full of snobs. I'm just saying that people are going to go where people accept them. That's why people join gangs. If people just want to be loved and accepted. Forget the hazers. Forget the light show. 
They're going to go where people are nice to them. And I think that that's one of the first things we need to convey in our church websites is that we are nice people and we are saving you a seat. We are ready for you. You'll see this a lot of times on church websites. It's a picture of the building. It's a picture of some kids that are together, whatever, which seems cute. But what that says to the person, the parents, like, well, my kid probably doesn't know any of them. I wonder if they're going to know anybody. And, and so we've got to figure out ways on that homepage. And what I tell everybody, when they bring a photographer in to, to take pictures for the website, get pictures from the perspective of someone in the church. Don't yes. go get up in the balcony at some weird angle and take this weird picture of the worship service where no one's ever going to be. Go get in the fourth row from the back, because yeah. that's where your new people are sitting and take a picture and show them what it's like to sit right there. Cause that's where they yeah. want to sit. And they want to know what it feels like. Show them what it's like to walk into the church. Show them what it's like to drop their kids off. Get some smiling, nice people taking the hand, the kids handing off and the baby's not crying and show them that this is a safe place to drop your kids off. We take security seriously. We're smiling. We're welcoming. You may have got, there may have been some snobs at the last church, but we promise you're not going to deal with that here. When I look at Google Analytics, we're lucky if people spend a minute and a half on a website. Yep. Usually less. And they're skimming this page, checking it out really quick. They're going to go look at the pastor because for whatever reason, they want to see what the pastor looks like, I guess. <laughs> That's always the second highest visited page. Then they're going to go look and see the service times. And if they've got kids, they're going to want to see what you've got for their kids. Yeah. And look what you just did. In five minutes, you gave exactly what's going through the brain of someone sitting on their sofa who's looking for a new home, who's looking for hope, who's looking for where can I take my kids and I'm going to feel comfortable. I can remember back about, I don't know, 20 years ago now, we started up a little church in Malaysia and it really blew me away that one of the big, most attractive things of that was when the service was over, there was always a cup of tea, right? Because in Malaysia, the expatriate community has that sort of like English background and they want to have a cup of tea and, and a scone, right? Which is, I don't know if you know what a scone is. It's like a little uh, doughy, bready thing that you put jam and cream on it. But anyway, no one would ever go home, Jono. They would hang around for that cup of tea the congregation, the fellowship, the chat, pastor would walk around and say, how you doing? People would introduce themselves because they're sitting there inside. They're not going to introduce themselves. But that church grew out of that cup of tea and the scone and the jam thing. That fellowship time was so important to everyone because what was missing in their life was that I just want to chat with somebody. And they felt safe and they felt secure. And they started promoting that as an integral part of their church. And it started to grow. But then, because everyone has got that trigger in them. Well, how are you going to answer the trigger when you're doing what every other church does? And that is, you've got pictures, as you said, of our magnificent screens. And you've got people with their hands up in the air and praying and all that stuff. That's what everyone else does. What do you do that's mm -hmm. going to satisfy that I'm looking for hope, but I want to be comfortable about it. I want to learn more. I want to feel, as you said, I want to park my car 
and my kids don't get run over. Yeah. You know, that things where they just look at a picture, they look at a snippet from a video. There's some words in there. The key words are all about safety, car park, fellowship, all that stuff. The message is important. We can't deny that. But it's the environment, it's the fellowship, it's that feeling of, I really belong here. I'm happy here. Are you conveying that to that person that's sitting on the couch or even maybe around the, the dinner table with the family going, we've got to find a new church. So they start searching. Is that being triggered in your website? Because right. that's what you need. That's the change. And the last two years have really, before when we were looking for something, as you said, what was it, a second and a half that we stay on? Well, we're happy if somebody will stay on a website a minute. Okay. But, you know, that's, that's a long got. time. Yeah, you don't have much time. So does your church website answer all those triggers in a minute? And go through it, right? And that's the key now because even more people are using that internet to find their home for hope, for fellowship, for everything else. And it might be as something as simple as how many car spaces do you have to park in the street when there's some Camaro screaming past? You feel safe and secure there. That may be the trigger that gets them there. Me, I'm a sucker for a great worship service because I sing. Right? I need that snippet of how good their worship is. I love a sermon. If I see someone standing in a pulpit, I would never go to that church. Right? But if they're just standing on the stage and they're preaching the gospel and they're having fun doing it, I'll go. There was a, a great church in San Diego. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think of it in a And I searched on the internet because I was looking for a home while I was there, and all the things that triggered me, I saw on their website. Right? <laughs> and it was a great place. That was my home when I lived in San Diego. And it was that minute and a half that I was on that website that got me. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the starting point. Now, eventually, and I tell our church this all the time, I would tell our teenagers, like, look, no one is going to listen to a word I say as the youth pastor. No one's going to listen to a word the pastor says until they're comfortable. Hmm. And so we've got to make them feel comfortable in this environment. And the thing is, around where I am, every church has got coffee. Every church has got a rock band. Every church has got all the stuff. But what sets different churches apart is involvement in their community. And just how inclusive they are. Are they just generally nice people? And am I going to have to walk in and like just stare at the posters on the wall? Or am I going to walk in and get like annoyed by how many people just come to me, you know? Is it genuine? And, and so it starts with the website. We're going to convey who we really are, get a feel for it, and then hopefully transition them from just an online kind of viewer to uh, in-person attender. And that's really that the goal there. There's a question from AJ here. It is, Other than a website and SEO, what would you say a church has to have to be successful online? Tricky one. In my mind, the end goal is not to just grow online. The end goal is for this website 
to get people to take their first step or their next step in becoming a part of the congregation, whether yep. maybe that looks like sometimes it is online, but I do think it, it, there's arguments about this right now, big time. A lot of the articles I read, do you have to be in person to be a part of the church and all that? And so I don't necessarily want to get into that. I think I, and maybe it's just because of how I grew up and the churches I attend, I want to be around people and I want to have relationships and I want to have somebody I can talk to on Sunday morning and who knows what's going on in my life. Not to say you can accomplish that online somehow, and there's tools for that. That being said, to be successful online, if we're talking just strictly online and we're not going to focus on moving them from online to in person, then I would say successful online, there's got to be that element of them somehow engaging and feeling more connected than just a spectator. How can you? Take someone who's a member of an online congregation. And I think North Point Church here in Atlanta has done a pretty good job of that. There's a host who's on live chat, taking prayer requests while the sermon's going, asking questions. They've got Zoom small groups or Zoom Sunday school classes, whatever you want to call them. So I think that if we're going to be successful online, we've got to figure out how to hit that relational piece of things and not leave that out. So hopefully, AJ, was that helpful? Now, the first thing that popped into my head, though, because I am kind of a gadget geek and a tech nerd, to be successful online, you know, the first thing that I was kind of thinking was like equipment, you know, streaming equipment. So the question would be, you have to go invest a lot of money to be successful online because I've seen both extremes. Our church does an excellent job streaming. We had someone donate who couldn't come to church. And so they wanted to help be a part of making a really excellent online streaming service. And I love it. I think it's done so well. We've got great cameras. We've got great volunteers. We've got a full control production room with like six monitors. We've got the whole production in there. The video guy, the video switcher going, all right, camera one, go. Camera one. All right, camera two, you're live and go. And so cut to the cut to the drums. We've got all that stuff going on. And it is excellent, man. It is done well. Our church does a great job. And so if you are at home or you're on vacation, then that's the other cool thing about the online service. If you're on vacation, then you're going to be able to stay what connected. But do you have to have $20,000 worth of equipment? Because most churches don't just have that sitting around and didn't have it sitting around at the beginning of COVID. And then some churches lost a lot of givers during COVID. And, but on the other hand, I've and I just do this a lot of times on Sundays, I follow a lot of churches on social media because they're my potential clients. And I'm just checking, seeing, just trying to learn, see what other people are doing. And so I see some really good streaming services but then I've also seen somebody in the front row holding what appears to be like the first Android ever made and streaming it live and shaking and you can hear them breathing and the audio is terrible. In fact, the video quality can be poor if the audio quality is excellent, but there's nothing worse. It doesn't matter how great your video quality is if the audio is terrible. I would think we do need to upgrade from someone holding an iPhone 4 in the front row streaming the service, but we don't necessarily have to go out and spend $20,000 on red cameras either and to go the other extremes. So just the last thing we wanted to hit you, the church website is also now in reach, reaching out to brothers and sisters that are already members of the family, congregation, yep. online help, study. Those are some of the elements of a great church website when it comes to in reach. We can't just forget about People who aren't at our church yet, we do have people who are there. They're there to be fed. They're there to be shepherded, and we got to take care of them. And the website's a tool that's great for that, too. Yeah. Well, you work it out before. Again, this last two years has taught us 
Imagine the people were home and they've already been in the church. They've already been part of the congregation. Was the website set up to take care of them when they were at home? Probably not. Was it a community but online? Did they not just going to listen to a sermon? What other resources were available, right? It's like one of the best websites of this. Like them or don't like them, doesn't matter, right? JW.org is one of the most amazing in-reach websites because of the way they work with their congregation. All the videos are there. Their ability to start to other people, all the assets they need are on the website. And I think that's the way you've got to look at it, that does our website look after the people that are in our congregation when they're at home. If all of a sudden we get locked down again, can we still in-reach? Do yeah, they still feel connected. Connected, part of the community. Can they still learn? Not just listen to 20 minutes, not listen just some recorded worship, but can they learn? Can they feel comfortable? Can we look after them by in-reach? And that's another trigger. And I love what we've done in this webinar. We talked about, does our website answer the triggers? And one of the triggers is in We satisfy that need that people say, well, what happens when I can't make it on a Sunday? I've got to look after my kid. What's there for me? What about during the week? What if I want to reach out to someone? Is there tools there for me to help spread the good news? What's there? We need to be able to answer that. It's also, how does this website look after our congregation? And something that's a peripheral to the website, but by it is a Facebook group. I think something a lot of churches aren't taking advantage of is our Facebook group. They're fairly active on their Facebook page and just throwing out, hey, we've got this event going on, we got this event. And I'm in quite a few Facebook groups. And uh, as far as about my business, some of the best things I've learned about marketing have been inside of Facebook groups. And some of the best Bible studies and sermons that have ever been shared with me were shared inside of a men's ministry group for dads that I'm in. And now, somebody's got to watch it, make sure we don't get to just arguing about theology all the time. Somebody's got to keep an eye on it. But to really pray for each other, share what's going on and what's going on inside that injury. I know I get kidney stones, which if you've never got a kidney stone, bless you. But I get kidney stones. And so my last surgery was back in November 2020. That's right, because... Had to get a COVID test before the surgery. I remember that. But we had been in a community group where people were every Sunday night, we were getting together for Bible study. And man, after that surgery, and I'm down for a week, and we have five kids. And so my wife's got soccer and crazy stuff. Man, they were checking on us, seeing if we needed. They were helping us get kids places. They were bringing us food. And you just can't get that without some relationship, without some inreach, without being intentional. And, and so we've got to, as the church, use that website as a tool to let people know that we're a loving place and then get them Amen. in there yep. and, and take care of them and love them. Yep, totally agree. And that community feeling, that Facebook feeling, it has got to be within, use the Facebook with your website so it's all connected together. And that gives that feeling of your care, your love, you're your part of that. Because that's what people want. It's another reason you go to church. That feeling of belonging, it's another trigger on that website. And that's my favourite thing I've got out of today, 
What is the triggers in that site? Do we satisfy their worship needs? Do we satisfy their ministry needs? Do we satisfy their learning needs? Do we satisfy their car parking needs? Their security yeah. needs? That cup of coffee, not just before, but afterwards. Do we satisfy that feeling? That's what that website now has to do. Before, yeah. you get away with pretty pictures and all that, and hopefully they'll turn up on Sunday. Now, no. With COVID, you've got to continue it because that's what people are going to need. It would be really easy to slip back into some old ways as, as yep. restrictions lift, but I think we're in a new world. And, and so, but I get it because I remember, I mean, it's only three years ago that I was on church staff and it's like most church staff members are wearing multiple hats and have got multiple responsibilities. And so now you're thinking, Oh, well, now you're telling me I got to manage a Facebook group and I don't even know what SEO stands for. And you're telling me I need that. And I don't have time. I don't know how to rebuild this website. I can barely add a calendar event to it. I get that. Now, not to be a shameless plug here, but that's what we do here at FaithWorks. We come in and, you know, take that load off the plate. We can help revamp the website and revamp the strategy, the online strategy. And so if you're interested in talking with us about that, I would love for you to go to faithworks.link slash discover. If you need a brand new website, we'd love to do that. Now, Shane and I partner on a ton of websites. So I assure you, if you hire FaithWorks to build you a website, you are also hiring Shane as a part of that because we partnered together. And, and so he's just an awesome person with an awesome organization, awesome group of people that have helped us tremendously. Shane, thank you for being here today. Anything else you wanted to throw in before we land this plane and let everybody go? No, I, just, I loved it. I think it was great. I just, John, I feel blessed. Thank you for that today. Well, man, I appreciate you being here and it has been a pleasure. And I know it's late where you are. You brought the energy, even though it's late. So, man, I really appreciate it. So I appreciate everybody watching on Zoom and on Facebook and on YouTube and listening to this on podcasts or wherever you listen to your, thank you for, for listening. And Shane, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for personalized suggestions to help grow your organization by reaching more people online, please email jono at faithworksmarketing.com.